This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. So there's some great things you can get now through December 12th, which are double R ranch ribeyes. You can save $10 a pound on those. You can save $4 a pound on Carlton Farms pork tenderloin and steelhead. There's savings of $3 a pound. Uh, mandarins and um, you're going to be using some Bob's Red Mill flour for the holidays. You can uh, you can get five pound bags of Sorted varieties, you can save $2.50 on those. So now's the time to uh, stock up. Also, they're meatballs, ready-to-cook Italian meatballs, only $9.99 a pound. You'll save 4 bucks a pound right now. So get over to Zupan's and make everything a little easier and save some money while you're at it. And Chris, moments ago, you mentioned the holidays. We should point out right now the perfect opportunity for you to pre-order your Hanukkah meal via Zupans.com. Celebrate the Festival of Lights with their fully cooked Hanukkah menu. Uh, You got brisket, latkes, all sorts of great stuff. Hop online, Zupans.com. And of course, as Christmas approaches, you can order your holiday meal there as well. I've been doing this for years. I cannot recommend it more. It's a great way to do the holidays in an easy, delicious way. And also Saturday, December 9th, this is pretty cool. Perfect for the food lovers and chefs. 40% off all aged balsamic and truffle products, 25% off caviar and fresh truffles, and save on Zupan's A5 Japanese Wagyu, foie gras, and more. So the people who really appreciate the good stuff, that's for them. December 9th. Three locations to serve you, McAdam, West Burnside, and Lake Oswego, and information is always found at zupans.com. Here it is, time once again. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast, right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelis from Portland Food Adventures, and I'm co-host, Court Johnson. Court, can you feel it? Uh, feeling that we've now transitioned from Thanksgiving into the holidays. Is that what we're talking about? Well, this will be the, uh, it will be the 10th time on this podcast that we've transitioned from the, uh, you know, into the holidays. Yeah. We, we're coming up on 10 full years. 10 years is a lot. People look very different in 10 years. Oh, sure. Thank God this is a podcast and we're not visual. But as a matter of fact, when we started this, nobody was doing a visual podcast, a video podcast. Now they're almost all. Now, and we certainly had opportunities to, uh, to uh, transition over to that as well, but we've both kind of said, nah, we're good. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's, it would be a ton more work if someone has an idea for, you know, if, if, uh, Tesla wants to sponsor us or something and give us Teslas. And, and by the way, I only know it's pronounced Tesla because that's the way Elon Musk pronounces oh, okay. the name right. of his company. Well, what Elon um, says goes. goes. But if anybody guess. wants to sponsor this to be able to cover the costs of turning this into a video podcast, we are, uh, we're all ears and sure. all eyes. So, yeah. um, but no, not necessarily. I, I, you know what? Ten years, it's been awesome. I've made. Uh, I first of all, it's been very educational. But um, I've really enjoyed uh, 
all the people we've met, including this one this morning, someone I didn't know beforehand. And it, that's what makes it really special. And not only, of course, if I'm meeting them and you're meeting them, our audience is meeting these people, which yeah. is the basic idea yep. behind this is to get people to know the folks in our food scene that much better. And I definitely know there's going to be a lot of people listening to this podcast who uh, will know Peter Cost. Uh, at Ken's Artisan Pizza a little better. Yeah, it's it's just interesting as we talk about the 10 years. I mean, if you go back to the different people that we've had, and we've we've mentioned this quite a few times, is that, you know, not too many people are doing the exact same thing they were the first time they were on this podcast. I mean, we had Ken from Ken's Artisan on the show, and he's doing completely different things now. He's retired. Yeah. So now we're talking about his uh, the, the person he handed the reins off to. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, uh, as a matter of fact, there are very few who are doing the same thing. There are very few, there are not a lot who are still actually cooking, right? It's a lot right. of people have left and are doing new things. We had, what was it, a couple of years ago, we did a Where Are They Now uh, little mm -hmm. series. That was fun. We should probably continue that. But um, yeah, no, it's crazy what has happened in the past 10 years. And we cover that in this particular interview, you know, how things have changed. Really interesting aspect of this interview is um, the, the spirit and um, what makes up the foundation of our Portland food scene, how Peter thinks it's changed. And I agree. I definitely think it's changed too. Yeah. And what, what appealed to me in the beginning and what caused me to start Portland food adventures and, and it's in a less, to a lesser degree, this podcast when we started this, but is no longer there, the collaborative nature. And he points it out. You'll listen to it, but he points out that a lot has to do with social media, hmm. which it's true. All yeah. Social media has changed so much in our culture. Yeah. For for good and for bad and oftentimes not not for in good. In this case it's for bad. Yeah. So um it's taken away a lot of the personal aspect and it's just turned it's it's turned all these operators into little mini advertisers. Right. So which they never would think of doing fifteen years ago. Yeah. So. Uh but is this is a podcast considered social media? I, I don't think it's considered. No, it's it's definitely media, but I don't know that you call it social media. It's just a kind of a a a modern day. Um, I don't know what you would. How it's you like a radio it? show it's, in its modern form, exactly. But yeah. but it does become social media when we go out and we post. We post about it, which we don't do enough. No. By the way, we need to do more of that, and um, we don't need to do more of that. I would love it if we didn't have to, <laughs> right? But often, you know, like in, in this episode, this interview we just did, I heard like three spots that if we pulled out this 30 second clip and put it on social media, we're all thinking that way yeah. now. Um, it would be very compelling. And yeah. there are a few little spots in there. And maybe we'll do that this time just because I mentioned it. Um, but, um, at any rate, so yes, the, the food scene has changed in 10 years. A lot has changed. We have our, we all, not everybody but we have our memories feed on Facebook. I know you gave up Facebook for the most part. Well, I've had to come back to it because of this new job I have down in San Francisco. And so I've had to reinstall Facebook. I didn't, I didn't full on walk away. I just removed it from my phone, which right. solved, which solved a lot of the problem where I was, I was just uh, obsessing about stuff that I shouldn't have been obsess obsessing about. And, and, and by obsessing, I mean, I would get on Facebook 
and I would see people post the dumbest, most ridiculous things. And a lot of times it was political. And I felt this need that I had to like kind of speak up yep. and, and then I would get angry because nobody wants to hear what I have to say. And I, and I guess to, to that point, nobody, nor should they. And I would just find myself unhappy just because I was just dealing what I, with what I felt like right. were idiots, many of which were kind of, I'm related to. And so it just made me unhappy. <laughs> oh, just, wait a minute. Yeah. Well, now we know they're not listening. So those no. are some listeners we don't have. Yeah. yeah. So um, well, I'm not going <laughs> to name names. So they might be listening. But like it just right. made me it just made me so unhappy because it's the whole thing. We've talked about this before. We all y'all know you have the crazy uncle in the family and you right. only had to deal with that at Thanksgiving. Now, right. suddenly you have to deal with the crazy uncle uncle. Unky. Every uh, uncle every single day, and not only is he the crazy uncle, he's also the racist uncle, and he's a pedophile. Oh, he's he's, he's a good friend. Stuff. He's a friend that you're dealing with. So I, I know. I had to go on yesterday. This is the first time I've done this. There was a post where one of my best friends, I love him dearly, he and but he's right wing, mm -hmm. and he posted some AOC video that was obviously AI generated. Right, it was bullshit. Yeah, and all his people are going on there saying, "Yeah, she's an idiot." She's, and I, I for the first time did what you did, and I, you know, I never want to respond to those things. I just, why well, get involved? You're not going to change anybody's yeah. opinion. You're just gonna. So I, but I did say you've got to stop just posting these things without thinking about it because that was obvious bullshit and yeah. you're just playing into the hands of the evil people who are making this stuff up and this is going to be the do you think it's been bad up to now oh, yeah, oh my god i saw i saw stuff ads for uh diabetic medicine that they're attributing that they stuck Mark Cuban's voice on with his image of him talking, mm -hmm. saying how great it was. And this is the first time all five sharks have bought into something. And this product is brought to you by Shark Tank. There's no fucking way Shark Tank would allow right. that. Yeah. And so, but it looked so real to me. And I'm thinking, this is just the beginning of this. Yeah. How are you ever going to believe anything anybody said? And that's, that's the whole point of this is mm -hmm. if you, if people doubt what they hear, at all, they're not going to believe anything, even the truth. Yeah, so. if, if nothing's true, everything's true. If everything's true, nothing's true. And, and I've, yeah. I've had these conversations with my daughter. You're, you're fortunate that I think both of your sons, uh, Chris, have stayed away from social media. Completely. Yeah, which is they're great. They're not into it. Whereas yes. as my two daughters are, are kind of into it, and they get a lot of their information from TikTok. And I've had to stop them and say, hey, look, like – the, I'm not saying you can't learn some things via social media. I said, but if you hear something that seems too good to be true, or if seem if just something just doesn't seem right, or I've said, I'm like, even if something seems normal, seems right? Yeah, that's the go problem. ahead and and do additional research, like just a simple Google search. Nine times out of ten, will will prove to you, oh, that never happened. This is not in in, in true in any way, right? And so, don't the the thing is, it's. And you're never going to get everybody to do it, but it's pretty simple. Don't share things unless you've done that unless, research. Unless you've done, you don't have research. to research everything you see. Yeah. But you know, but there's, you, need, you know, there are those guys out there, Chris. They're like, I've done the research, and this, this is totally oh, true. Oh God, <laughs> oh yeah, they've done the research. They, they saw it, and then that's, they watched. That's normally yeah. the. That's normally the the uh, the giveaway is when they say, I've done the research. Like, right. But it is so scary when you can stick any words in anybody's mouth yes. and have them look like they're saying it. It's yep. really, really scary. And the technology just started. Where is it going to oh, go? No, totally. So, I mean, I, I'm and, and this has made the news. We, we're completely off subject here, but this is it's, you know. Um, 
I, I think it's applicable to kind of what you're, you were saying Peter was talking about um, in, in the radio world, there's, you know, AI DJs. If I give a, the system uh, five minutes of my voice, it can completely recreate the way I talk. And then I could just give it a script and you, you no longer need me anymore, Chris. Right. But you can listen. Can we know at least if it's a dialogue like this, can we assume this is me and that's you? Well, I, I mean, I at think this that, point, that, that takes some that takes some effort. But if I were to do like a monologue, it, it right. would go in after analyzing again five minutes of my voice. It would know my cadence. It would know the words I typically stutter on. It would know where I pause. It I've heard it and it's freaky. So yeah, no. Listen, I'm telling you the same thing with um, Mark Cuban, and then they did one with every other shark on the you know it's the same thing yeah. but the only reason i knew i'm telling you i was totally fooled i was like really he's doing this i can't believe this that uh, they got to the word diabetes and he said diabetes ah uh, and yeah. i that was when i said oh my god yeah. oh god i got all the way here and this is what i thought it was yep and that's that, so, and i just need people who aren't paying as close attention as you are chris well yeah and i wasn't even paying uh, it's right yeah. and that's why it works Right. And it's advertising and people are going to buy stuff. And listen, if there's money at stake, anybody's going to do anything. Mm -hmm. Then they don't give a shit. And by the way, who polices this? Instagram? Right. Please. Yeah. So, all right. uh, Now that's a big rant. Um, Thank you all for listening. (laughs) We'll step down off of our soapbox. (laughs) Yeah. There's good reason to have stayed with us and to keep listening. There's also very quickly... I just wanted to say uh, it's the holidays approaching, and if you want to buy a really cool gift for you and yourself or your you and someone else you love together, we've got some unbelievable trips to um, Europe next year. Spain with the folks from Urdaneta to we have available right now the last few spots to our fourth trip to Basque Country, which includes Bilbao, San Sebastian, Bermeo, where Chef Javier Canteras uh, grew up and where he has a place now and he knows his way around and we've done it four times. So we got it dialed in. And then also Sardinia. There's the place that isn't ruined by the white Lotus. It's an Island in North of Sicily. And we've got that trip dialed into, and we've got just a few more spaces for that. So if you're interested, contact me, you can find me. Where can you find me, Cord? I don't even know how to tell people where to find me, where I don't become like botted out. Um, so well, portlandfoodadventures.com is your website right and there, yes exactly Thank that, you. i mean if the information is there we know that's the real chris right and so you can stop there and see the itineraries too and all the pricing mm-hmm. so you know what we're talking about and then write me and i'll we'll we'll fit you in so there's that since we've already that's a small percentage of this intro just self self-promotion we also are planning one to andalusia with the folks from urdaneta also in the fall and we're putting that itinerary together now so if you want to just be on the tell me you're interested when we have the information you'll be the first to know about that when that trip is ready in the fall too that would be sevilla uh, malaga and granada and cordoba so nice yeah Cool stuff. When are you coming, Court? I always ask you. Oh, man. Your kids are getting older. You can get out of they, the house. They are getting older. However, we're in this weird phase where um, it's doubly compounded by the fact that I'm, you know, living half my life in San Francisco. Um, but yeah, so we got the one kid off to college. The other one is a sophomore in high school. So we're, right. we're getting we're getting close, Chris. We're getting close. okay. 
Well, it's all right. We'll, we'll hold out for you. All so, right. um, we have, you know what the good thing is? Here's what I found over the years. I used to get, you know, please, my friends, you should come. It'll be fun. And I've had friends come for mm-hmm. sure. But, uh, we get other people to go and I make, I meet new people and make new friends. So we're successful without the people that I know going. Um, and, uh, that's cool too. But it would, it would be really fun to hang with you and Randy yeah, for, for sure. a couple of weeks. And that's what I always say. I just had a trip where really good friends all came and it was really fun. It was really cool. So. There's that. This is this. So this interview, Court, finally, um, with Peter Cost, whom I did not know before this, um, but I read about the fact that Ken's had just won or been uh, recognized as one of the top pizzerias in the world, top 50 out of an organization yeah. in Naples. And I, I've been wanting to get Peter on the podcast for a while. And that was what prompted me to say, Hey, we need to talk to you because we had Ken Forkish on. That was another episode. If you do a little Google, you do a little search on our, on right at the fork.com and do Ken Forkish. You can hear that, which is one of my favorite interviews too. So, um, I wanted to have Peter on to talk about carrying forward the legend of ken's artisan pizza which in terms of the portland food world this is a legendary spot it was you know there are arguably two pizza places that for years were the ones that people would think about and go to ken's and of course a pizza shoals both of them they're different styles of pizza different people um and uh but so Ken's was always in that discussion and it still is. And, um, you know, now we're, we, we talk about the fact that in Portland, there's so many pizza places. It's really hard to get any traction if you're new, because it's not like, it's not like you're the, the, the first new pizza place to open in Portland. There right. are a lot of them. So, but Ken's is still there and he's operating it with, uh, Peter's operating it with the care and love that Ken put into it. And as a matter of fact, what we'll learn in this podcast is that Peter was there at the beginning, before it even, they opened their, uh, location on 28th. Um, Peter was there talking to Ken, eating the pizza when they were first experimenting, uh, talking to him about the space, what Ken's vision was. So he was there from the get-go. And what I learned in this podcast that people, other people learn is that there was no other candidate to take over Ken's other than Peter. And so um, it's a pretty cool story. And um, I won't give away, I, that's, that's a lot of spoilers already, but let me just tell you, it's worth listening to from start to finish. Um, it's a good little over an hour. And this interview with Peter Cost is definitely one of my favorites this year or in our 10 years, which we started talking about quite a while ago, yeah. 10 years. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers and local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland. West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Ringside Steakhouse. 
For over 78 years, Ringside has been providing the best steaks and has been the home of the beacon of great hospitality in Portland. Make a reservation today at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And while you're there, sign up for their mailing list to be the first to find out about exciting specials and events going on at Portland's beloved Hallmark restaurant, Ringside Steakhouse. And by Portland Food Adventures. It's your opportunity to travel to the world's most celebrated food destinations with right at the Fork host, Chris Angeles, and some of his favorite chef friends. Check out PortlandFoodAdventures.com for exciting and delicious itineraries to Spain, Italy, and elsewhere. Stay in great hotels, eat incredible food, and leave the planning to Portland Food Adventures. I knew... Your your bio nicely tied everything together with a little more personal touch with regard to, um, you know, your upbringing and uh, all the shit you hate. That's awesome. <laughs> I know. Well, that's not, I know, like to get it out there in front, you know, that way it's easier. <laughs> well, the good thing is you didn't – one thing I'm learning is I don't necessarily have to – talk about what I don't like and but I'm learning as I get older that I don't have to do that but you know that's just me it, you know it comes out so thanks for providing all that I find it uh, obviously it's humorous that you don't like fresh tomatoes doing what you do it is so. it is quite the thing my family even uh, to this day it's still a relentless so but, conversation <laughs> have you done any uh, deep analysis as to why you love red sauce but not fresh tomatoes I think it's just the change in the acidity of when you start to cook mm -hmm. and the way that it uh, it blends with other flavors so well. And even just I'll eat cooked tomatoes, like even just fresh and then just seared on the grill. Even I love them. They're but just raw, cold. It's something about it. I don't know. I can oh, understand yeah, that. But, but you've had mm -hmm. delicious heirloom tomatoes with a little bit Wonderful. of olive oil and salt them. and pepper. Pardon me. Yes, I grew up with them. My my Nona Tatone, they were farmers originally. So, right. So, yeah. okay. So, I guess this is a uh, segue before I meant to do a segue, but it it <laughs> leads me to have because the best cooked whole tomatoes or sliced tomatoes that I've ever had are on pizzas in New Haven. And so, you know, Moderna Pete's makes a fresh tomato pie. I mean, that's kind of how they got their start over there. Right. Have you imbibed in those? Have you been to New Haven? I've, to have I've not been to New Haven. I've not been to that part of uh, the U.S. as yet. But I have had uh, what has been deemed at least uh, the style of pizza and, and with uh, tomatoes on them. Um, I've had it both with added at the end. So mm -hmm. that they're they are truly fresh and right. also added and then put back into the oven for about one minute. Okay, well that's good. Well, you know the thing is, you have access to some of the best pizza in the world, right? You know when you go to work, which is pretty awesome, right? And um, I want to talk about that a little bit, and then we can get to pizza elsewhere, but. Uh, and your experience. I was going to just add that I'm glad that you um, you uh, voiced it as deemed 
New Haven style pizza because that's that's a very important word there because <laughs> there's so many people who have this impression of what it is and just want to stick that on there stick that on their pie so that they can sell it and uh, it's not necessarily that so good for you for recognizing that it's probably not the real thing well it's not the real thing unless it's served there so um, true it's. I, I, you know, out of a, out of an oil-fired oven. I mean, that's what they do. So, at any rate, um, Ken's Artisan Pizza, man, that is an iconic place in Portland, and it's yours. And talk a little bit about how that came about and your feelings about. I, I can't buy it. I don't, however, you took it over, acquiring it and being the one to, uh, you know, lead the charge on such an iconic place. I know for me, whenever I talk about pizza in Portland, and that was a different discussion 15 years ago than it is now. But my, Absolutely. you know, for years it was people would, it was a Pizza Shoals or Ken's, a Pizza Shoals or Ken's. And I was a, I liked both. But I like the smaller pizza that you could get at Ken's a little better. It was a little more approachable for me. And right out front, I'll say I've had discussions with Ken, your predecessor, and your founder, and with Brian Spangler and others who've had pizza places about the cost of pizza in Portland. It's compared to what it is back east, right? I can get a large pie with everything there, or I could, you know, for twenty dollars and now we're looking at over 30 in in portland but the nice thing about ken's is it's smaller and i don't have to think about sharing and um you know the uh, pizza for two with a couple of drinks coming out for 55 dollars. that's not what i was used to so mm-hmm. i don't know why i well, went into that right off the bat but <laughs> that's a whole nother there, you've you just brought up about four different topics that are <laughs> Right. Well, let's all listen. Deserve their own topic. <laughs> my, I'm a, my Wi-Fi is pizza, so um, <laughs> uh, so I I think a lot about it and care a lot about it. But at any rate, talk a little bit about um, you know taking the charge at Ken's Artisan and and congratulations on getting uh, the getting recognized as one of the best pizza places in the world recently. Um, That's keeping it up, man. It would have been easy to just take it over and not maintain that quality standard. And you have. Well, the story starts uh, back in 2000 and well, really 2002, 2001, when Ken first came to town and I had a restaurant at that time, Lucy's table that was just down the street from where he was starting work on building up the bakery and uh, we met at that time, and I think the camaraderie are just one being in the business on the same street, as well as uh, the dedication that he showed at that time of wanting to, well, just really change the way baking uh, was seen here in Portland. There was there was minimal uh, at that time, and he was definitely one of the starts uh, to bring it to another level. Not that there wasn't a few people around doing some nice stuff, but he really brought it to another level. And I was fortunate enough to kind of see that happening and become friends with him back then and uh, be one of the first wholesale customers um, to buy his bread and serve it, help get it out there to the public, I guess, in a... And in those days, it was all over the place. If you wanted to... 
buy wholesale as a restaurant from a baker, you know, there weren't there a lot was of only choices. a couple. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There was, I mean, pro bakery was, was up and going, but, uh, that and, uh, uh, grand central. I mean, there was, there was just not a lot to choose from at the time right. when I first moved I, to Portland. I remember going to Navarre, uh, which was my uh-huh. first hang when I learned about the Portland food scene through food dude and they served, you know, they used to pull out that quarter hunk of, of Ken's bread and just slice it in front of you and throw it on a plate and yep. you'd sop up whatever you had. That was my first yes. exposure to that bread. Of course I asked what it was and then ended up at the bakery and then the pizza. Place too. <laughs> yes. Um, so Ken and I started uh, a relationship back then getting to know each other a bit and, and, uh, became friends over time. And when he started doing pizza and testing pizza at the bakery, um, he'd, you know, buzz down to my place and say, Hey, we're going to make some more pies tonight and test some more dough. So oh, how cool. I was a fortunate recipient of going in and getting to taste and, uh, hearing some of the discussions he would have with other people. Kathy was there and often, and, and, uh, it was, I was kind Kathy Wims. Just to, we we can't always assume everybody knows everyone sorry. by first name. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. I just it's one of my it's one of my jobs as host is to make sure that listeners know who we're talking about. That's okay. Keep me in check throughout. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so at that time, it was uh, just fun to be part of that scene. And when he decided he was going to try to do the pizzeria, uh, and went to look at the space that is now Ken's Artisan Pizza. Uh, I went with him on his second visit to just look at the space and kind of let him bounce his idea off. And we just discussed it for a bit. And actually, uh, I think we sat and had a glass of wine in an empty space for a minute. Um, I was working, I had sold my restaurant just prior to that and had uh, taken a job doing sales for wine and realized I, I'm not a good salesperson. But uh, the, the, the idea of seeing it from that standpoint and at that time in his idea and watching it grow over all the years and, and to now have that come full circle is, uh, I don't know, truly it's, it's kind of humbling if that makes sense. It's, oh, you, it's, it's like you were there on the forefront. I watch a lot of, uh, YouTube videos now of the way things were, but to have been, you know, to have, imagine having that YouTube or a recording of that conversation, yeah. that would be really cool. But you have at least a distant memory of what was said. I'm curious as to when you talk about his vision, what was the difference in the vision from the pizza that you could have at the bakery and when he was going to have a dedicated pizza place, what how, do you remember how he described what he wanted to do to make it? I don't know. Make I, it his. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I can put words in his mouth. Um, I can give you a sense of maybe my take on. Yeah, how that's about what the, we, the best we can do. Yeah. So you know, I think that at the bakery, the the passion that he had for obviously the dough and, and the making of bread and a style of bread that wasn't here in Portland at that time. And I think that going from that in the pizzas that he tested at the bakery, uh, it's a different oven. It's a different atmosphere. Um, I think that the it's, it's tough to include two passions in a way because pizza is, 
I mean, it's, it's dough. It, bread is dough, but they're different. And the subtlety of one to the other, I think the step that was taken once the pizzeria was kind of started or once that oven got built and they started testing pizzas in that oven, mm-hmm. uh, I think that passion started to grow for pizza itself as opposed to bread and pizza. It became, that's pizza. When I step in these doors, that's a passion. When mm-hmm. I step into the bakery, bread's the passion. And I think that's the uh, real, a, a subtle difference, but I think it was noticeable for a lot of people outside looking in maybe. Um, I'm not sure if he would think of it the same way, but that's just my take on how I see the progression from one to the other and then both thriving. And I would imagine also that when you have a pizza place, everything complements it and pairs with it. So those, I remember having salads at Ken's the first time I went and thinking this salad, I wish I could make a salad like this. This is awesome. <laughs> and you've got wine going on, which you wouldn't necessarily have in the bakery. So yeah, to build around pizza versus just fitting it in as a delicious item uh, to try at the bakery, I would imagine, is quite a different thing. So, And also different, to, you know, doing it one night a week at the bakery back at the start on Monday nights versus, uh, you know, I, I don't remember if they started us as five nights or six nights at the pizzeria, but to do that daily and, and take that to another level and have it be... Uh, under the scrutiny, like it would be somebody going in and saying, right. so I hear Ken's has great croissants. I, I, I'm going to go check that out, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and coming in and saying the same thing in a way with the, the pizza, having it be the focus and having it need to be right. How long do you know? I don't know if you were witness to this, but how long it took for those lines to be down the side and out the door uh, at Ken's? Did it, uh, did it, click really quickly wow. because people had had some experience with it? Yeah, I think that uh, once again, I think the fortunate thing for uh, I hope this comes out right. The fortunate thing for Ken's, I'll say it this way, Ken's Artisan Pizza, the fortunate thing at that time was that the city was uh, smaller and more focused. So something can make a splash a little easier, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is that make sense? Without saying anything about product quality of other people's stuff and, and things. But the Uh, I think that the ability for the pizzeria to garner attention at that time was a little easier, even without as much media as we have now or social media. The, uh, I think that it was just like the city of Portland was, you know, chomping at the bit, so to speak, to get more good stuff. Right. And now if you open a great pizzeria, you can get lost. You can get, it's like, Oh, another one. That's literally yeah. when I see it. Oh, another one. And it might be awesome, but how many, you know, how many great pizzerias do you need in a well, Just like restaurants Portland? in general. This, you know, this time is right. we're living in a different space right now than we did then. Right. And also each pizza place is tied to a neighborhood in Portland. I don't feel mm-hmm. that as much because I live far away. So when I go anywhere, I got to drive to it. It doesn't matter what neighborhood it's in as long as I'm hopeful the parking <laughs> is okay. Um, actually, I was just in your neighborhood yesterday. I went to that frame place around the corner. Um, oh, just up the street, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, so yeah, the Portland, it's a little more reliant on neighborhoods. But after a while, I mean, I think with the opening of a place like I'm going to say pizza jerk a few years ago and Otto and everything mm-hmm. just got great. 
and fast. And um, now, but you're, st- I'm sure I haven't been in a while. I'm, I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of that almost everywhere, but I'm sure there's still lines at the door, correct? It's still we've, doing we've been, well. Uh, it's, uh, it's kind of, I think after COVID, I think uh, we might've hit a little sweet spot where people were wanting that comfort uh, and pizza definitely can provide that. And then also the, the name was already there. And, you know, I, I, I've said this a thousand times in the last two and a half years that uh, my, my job is really not to screw it up <laughs> more than it yeah, is. No, to, I kind of know, alluded to, to that change before. Things or, it would be yeah. easy to, to screw it up. It's exactly. not hard to keep up and still getting, still get accolades and, have, I have never heard anybody say it went downhill. There are a lot of businesses you can say that about when it, when the torch was passed from the founder to the next person. Right. I have I have not heard anybody say that Ken's has gone downhill. So uh, well, again, I, let's give a little credit to Ken as well in that moment of that during COVID he realized and accepted that the dough had kind of gone sideways a little bit over the years, slowly, but surely it had not been the vision that he really wanted. And so during COVID had that time to work with chef and, and uh, taste a lot and, and tweak it and get it back to where, to where it, well, not back, just to where it is today. And the dough, he wholly admits that we were just in Italy together and we had long discussions about, everything that's gone on over the past two and a half years. And uh, he truly feels that this is the best representation, best representation of the dough in 17 years. So that's, so how does, I'm, I, I, I'm not a chef or really a cook, but how does the dough go sideways? Uh, Uh, You know, you're using the same recipe I would imagine, right? But that's just it. That that's what I think happened is that the, you get, uh, you know, over the years, this is one of the struggles that every restaurateur, if you're not the, you know, chef on a daily basis of your restaurant, that it's so easy to lose track of what your team is doing, not necessarily with intent to try to change something, but they do. And it, it just, uh, the focus of following what your vision is and being on that is, it becomes difficult and you know, I think that for Ken, and again, not to put words in his mouth or, or what he was maybe thinking, but he had a lot on his plate for a number of years there. And that the ability to stay kind of on top of very little detail, even though that's the most important detail for that particular restaurant, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the people that were there at the time over their, uh, the change of people, I should say, over time and that recipe slowly, you know, I think it's a little better with, you know, X amount more water. I think it's a little mm-hmm. better with, you know, it's, it, as you may know, obviously, but the dough is very, it's very simple and one of the easiest things to screw up. And so it, that subtle changes, it doesn't take much to change it. And I think right. that's Baking what it just slowly but surely became somebody else's vision as opposed to his. Wow. Well, that's interesting. And, you know, the COVID, talk about a little silver lining, gave him that opportunity to do that. But also, who's better prepared or whose cuisine is is better adaptable to COVID than pizza? You can do takeout without you can do takeout without much thought. It's the way it's sort of been thought of for years. So 
Um, that's good. So he, you took it over at what, how long has it been now? When in the COVID spectrum? Yeah, it was, uh, so I, I kind of stepped in to things. Uh, they had only been doing takeout through June of 2021. They had, they still hadn't reopened for in, in house dining. And Mm -hmm. so our conversation started, uh, well, uh, really kind of late 2020, I think was the first time that he brought it up that he wanted to work towards retiring. And, but obviously with everything going on at that time, there was just no, we, we both just knew simply that it was going to be a matter of time before we could make it happen. So the, uh, so in June of 2021, I kind of stepped in slowly and the staff just thought that I was, uh, helping to run operations and because they knew I had my other restaurant still and the, uh, the ability to kind of walk in, observe things without people knowing yet that he was going to sell it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's really it. Yeah. I don't want to freak everybody out. Um, and I had an opportunity to get to know people a little bit and then we worked towards so that in July of 2021, we, I hired staffing and and trained people and got it reopened for service, uh, on, boy, I think it was July 24th or 25th. And we reopened for service. So I was acting general manager mm-hmm. uh, until we made the announcement later that year. Uh, I think it was in October or November, early November, that we stated what was actually going to take place. And we set it up so that it would take place on January 1st of 2022, just because that makes things easy. Right. Yeah. From or a easier standpoint. So, <laughs> yeah. so there was nobody else really in the running to take it over. He came to you and thought no, he, you, were, you were the guy. It literally in the parking lot of uh, Karina. Uh, so across the street from the bakery, we mm-hmm. were standing in the parking lot talking and he goes, Hey, I've got something interesting. I'd like to throw at you. He goes, I, I want to sell the pizzeria <laughs> and retire. And I don't know. I don't want to sell it to anybody but you. And that's wow. literally his words. And I, I just stood there for probably a second to look stupid because I, my face probably went like, wait, what? what? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. And that, uh, it's just wonderful. Awesome. And, it, and it just, it, I think it gives, uh, not to say it in a way that brings it to me, but I think it gives credence to his care about things and knowing that he thought about, he thought about it, thought it through and said, this is who I think can help carry it on as opposed to somebody that's going to make it just theirs and try to change everything that would hurt kind of as an owner with your name on it. So did you at at that moment, um, that's quite an honor and you must've been, I I can't imagine what the next 24, 48 hours was like for you thinking about, Holy shit, I'm going to, I'm I'm looking at an icon, but was, was money talked at that point? Did you have, did you have that period of time where you're like, Holy shit, I have no idea what he's going to, what he's going to want for this. And if I can even do it, did you have it's that true. moment or how did that all work out? I no, of course that creeps into your thought process pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, I'm not made of money. So it wasn't uh, something that, you know, somebody that you could talk to and just simply go, yeah, I can do that, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it was, that was a definitely, a, a, you know, that's an honor. Thank you, Ken, very much. But in the back of my head, almost immediately, it was like, how, how, yeah. <laughs> how are we going to make this happen? Um, and really it was kind of timing also because of COVID and the efforts that we had to put in, like, like so many restaurateurs had to put in and, and, and many businesses, but the restaurant industry hit so hard for COVID 
uh, and keeping Karina going was a task and, and very difficult. And uh, to think about coming out of it and that this opportunity could possibly be in front of me, I, I didn't know how I was going to make that happen necessarily. And this is this will go back to Ken. He had an idea in a way and said, I think we can do this and this is how. Uh, yeah, I was imagine if he want if he had you in mind, he also had how am I gonna make this work exactly. for Peter? Because you know, he's not uh yeah, he doesn't he's got one restaurant. It's not like he's got resources to pull from right now. Exactly, so, exactly. So that I don't have a family I can call. <laughs> Right. Or, yeah. He, he, he may have known or he may not have known, but still he's had to have in his mind, he's a smart guy. He's been around the block. Um, you know, how am I going to make this work for Peter and for him too? You know, he want, and he wanted to sail off and be quiet about his retirement. I mean, everybody knew he was going to Hawaii, but I have mm-hmm. had, I mean, I went down there to, uh, to the Paley's a uh, few months ago and mm-hmm. ken was they were in touch and i was like oh i'd love to have ken well he was sort of busy and he was about to go to italy too but i'll tell you this he has spent some time mentoring vitali on making pizza they've been working she, out at the uh, at the uh, four seasons <laughs> right at the four seasons they've been doing their thing but so one night i had the just talk about honors that you had with with ken coming to you i had it's not the same thing it's nowhere near on that level but i had uh vitali making five six pizzas for us in one night at his home um, that's that's that, pretty great yes. that was a pretty good honor so there was a little touch of ken in there too and it was pretty awesome <laughs> so um and uh, even the he, he Made a vegan pie, and even that was delicious too. So couldn't have told. told he's a, he's a pretty good chef. Yeah, he he's got it down. <laughs> he's uh, and what I you know, like any chef, I find it amazing how much talking and multitasking he can do while he's doing something that I would tell everybody, get away! I need to think. I need to. <laughs> So he was pretty good at it. So but, you truly haven't worked directly in the kitchen. <laughs> but, so I mean I, that in a good way. Like a, the joke of that you have to, I mean, you are talking, you're, you're doing so many different things going on. It's a, it can be a firestorm at times. And so right. your brain works a little differently. Can I tell you, I've, I've said this, it's come up a few times on the podcast and I always love this story. Um, but the, the last time I worked in a kitchen, I was outside in the parking lot with the chef in his VW van passing a joint as we listened to Nixon resign. That's how long ago that was. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I was 16. That's a moment, though. Yeah, That's no, it was a great moment. I was 16. I still, I, I've had a lot of really cool moments. Um, but that one was uh, pretty cool. But none as cool as being in a parking lot and having Ken say, I'd like uh, to talk to you about taking over this awesome restaurant. So, um, yes, it's an honor. Yeah, no, it's, it's really cool. And uh, as I said, I've heard, you know, you tend to only hear negative things and positive things. It is what it is. I have heard nothing negative. So, and I'm, you know, I got my ears in, yeah. around the scene a little bit. So, that's a testament to you. You haven't. Uh, the only thing I've heard is positive that you. I don't know what that organization was. You can fill us in. Uh, you know, one of the top pizza places yeah. in the world. I have that book pizza, over yeah. here. Pardon, who is it? 
50 top pizza at a Naples. Uh, right. Oh, so that's the, an organization. So it's kind of yeah, like the San Pellegrino the, top, top restaurants of the world. Same thing. They're, uh, yeah, they're, it's quite a, a – when the first email came from 50 top pizza a couple of years ago uh, saying that we've been – put into the 50 top pizzerias in the USA and they, you know, you get this sticker in the mail and you get an email and it's all in Italian uh, and then subtext it or, or then translated below it in English. And, and uh, I called Ken right away and I said, Hey, do you know of this? And he said, no, I don't. He goes, but let me inquire. Cause we thought it's, you know, it's phishing email. It's uh, something's not right here. It seems like. Right. And, and, uh, and then, uh, put the feeler out there to contact a few different people. And, and immediately the feedback was it's legit. Like you, you need to pay attention to this. And the reason why a lot of people in America or most everybody in, in, in the USA and the business didn't know about it is because they hadn't done rankings here uh, until just after COVID that, well, are we after COVID yet? I don't know, but no, uh, that's right. <laughs> I'm learning to say, you know, we're, Hopefully at the tail end, but we're still in COVID. Right. Yes. And uh, one of the things they said was that judging pizza in the USA was a whole different task than uh, kind of the other, well, 20 plus countries that they were already doing rankings in. That they, uh, the diversity and the size of the U.S. made it a task that they hadn't wanted to tap on right. us. And, right. uh, Italy's a smaller region, right? And they're there. Yeah. Too, I mean, Europe in ge- Europe as a whole is a smaller region <laughs> and, right. uh, and the diversity of pizza is less. So the, uh, the task of tackling America was uh, something they had put off and, and finally kind of figured out that they needed to expand what they were doing. And if they really wanted, uh, I guess I, I'm putting words in their mouth, but in my mind, if they wanted some legitimacy to their, "Quote unquote world rankings," they they needed to include. So, uh, so were you very familiar with some of the other U.S. Uh, pizza places that they ranked? Uh, no, I wasn't, and that's uh, you know pizza. Uh, we do pizza at, at my other restaurant, Karina, and but it's wholly different. It's probably a little closer. Um, because of the oven style and, and a little closer to the original pizzas that Ken was doing at the bakery. Um, although it is still different. Uh, it's my chef's own interpretation of it. But the point being is that my focus has been kind of more on a, a whole restaurant um, philosophies of full menu and, you know, bringing flavors from many different things. Most of, this, of what I've worked in has always been uh, strong French and Italian influences, a little bit of Spanish on occasion. And so the specific item wasn't as important to me, if that makes sense, that as opposed to the restaurant itself. So I pay attention to a lot of restaurants, but I didn't focus on pizzerias. So thus, these great pizzerias that I'm seeing now and, and learning about is uh, wonderful. And it kind of like opened up a new world to me. Have you thought uh, about doing a little pizza tour? Like I did a baseball park tour, which landed me of all places in Portland, Oregon, when I was younger and my kids were younger. Um, that would be kind of fun, right? To pick out a few locations and uh, and do it. Yeah, I have talked to uh, to Chef Vince Crone um, about that. Maybe sometime over the next year or two, we we should try to get out and go visit a few different places around the country and. You know, make a make a week of it and and have some fun and 
taste some different things. And, I think you uh, could do pretty well in finding New York. the time. We'll get we'll get there. <laughs> All right, so you could fly to New York. You could probably do some New York, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, some Philadelphia because they have great pizza down there too. And uh, just start it out anyway, and it might it, and it might be food for thought, pun intended. I yeah. guess. But, um, well, that's pretty cool. I just so you went to Naples with Ken. Where did you do you remember where you went to eat pizza in Naples because I got so many different recommendations when I was there recently and my best one came from my Airbnb host that was the the best and all the all the Google reviews and the Yelp reviews oh my god I I failed on those um so it's pretty crazy when the collective mindset thinks something's great that doesn't mean much so um no. do you remember where and, you went uh we went to uh Jeez, uh, uh, it's no, easy yeah. to forget. Yeah. So I didn't mean to yeah, put you on the is. spot here. I uh, just had to. No, while we okay. were talking, I looked up my favorite place so I can mention because uh, I loved it, but I can't remember the name. Kesty, uh, we went to, and uh, uh, why am I just forgetting? And so, name? more importantly, how what was your impression? Like this is the this is the the real thing supposedly. How does it compare with everything that you've had? Uh, you know, it, they were a little different. The first night, uh, the pizza that we, I had, I was by myself the first night because I got in kind of, I got in a bit late to Naples and uh, Ken was coming down in the morning from Rome and Vince and his wife were coming in in the morning as well, or, they, or, or later that evening, actually, they got in at about 1030 that night. And uh, the pizza that I got was, uh, if you've had the Pomodoro at, the, at Ken's, mm-hmm. it's a, just a, a tomato base, a little bit of basil, and then shaved a pecorino after it's been cooked. So it's a mm-hmm. very simple, a very light pizza. Uh, it's one of my favorites. I, I actually I really, really enjoy it. And so I ordered, because Ken said it was inspired by this pizza at this particular pizzeria. And, and he had it there and it just, he was like, I have to re, I have to do this. I have to figure this out. And so I had, I ordered that pizza and it was, it was very good. The, the dough is excellent, but it was also a little too sauced, a little too wet. And the center was just kind of, uh, it was, it was just more, this, you couldn't pick it up. And mm-hmm. so it's not that you have to, you know, that's a lot of people make the true test of a pizza. You can slice it and pick it up and hold it. It doesn't fold in half. And especially if you got bacon kind and of true, but there. it's not a hundred percent true. Right. <laughs> you know, it does depend on the toppings and the style uh, a little bit, but, but this was a, uh, you know, I, I had to kind of scoop up the center to get those bites. Now the flavors were wonderful. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely a beautiful pizza, and I understand why Ken fell in love with it, and why I have hence the or since also fell in love with that pizza at, at the pizzeria. And so the style was a little bit different. Uh, the dough was it had a, a touch crispier edge to it, um, mm-hmm. and the dough at Ken's is a, it's got a little more chew to it. Uh, the pizzeria that we went to the second day uh, was probably a little closer. And the dough was a little had a little more chew to it as well, and the crust was a little uh, more leopard spotted uh, with the char, and mm-hmm. just really hit. It. I, I thought it was wonderful. So that's interesting. The char. So you know, coming from New Haven, it's kind of starts at the char. 
right? So, uh, yeah. I mean, to the point where a lot of people complain that, you know, you see reviews that it's burnt. Um, do you have that problem um, at Ken's yes. where people who aren't really <laughs> initiated think it's burnt? Well, I'll answer that kind of two ways that uh, there are times that at any pizzeria and using wood fire or coal or, you know, something that is uh, higher heat than gas can be. Uh, well, I don't know if it's higher heat than gas can be, but in general it is. And that the, uh, it's a, the talent of the, of the chef pizza at the, you know, at the oven to get that spotting correct. Cause there's a fine line now. And it happens so you sometimes fast. get one. It happens real fast. Yeah. Yeah. If you and, get a, uh, if you get a call from your uh, text from your, you know, significant other at that moment, it's gone. It's burnt. It's too long. Yeah. Make another one. <laughs> the, uh, uh, so with that being said that, you know, I can't attest that every single person that has maybe put up a review for a pizzeria and said, I got this and everybody talks about how wonderful it is. And it was just burnt. It, I, I didn't see that pizza. I don't know. I, I can't tell you if it was or it wasn't. I know how difficult it can be to make it just correct. But uh, in general, I will say that they're wrong. <laughs> that, right. That, uh, you it know, the, the spotting on there, it, it is flavor. And it's part of what the dough is. Uh, it's made to do that. You want to have some of that because if it's underdone, it has a totally different texture. If it's overdone, it gets a different texture. So, right. So, well, it's just beautiful when it has the right amount. I mean, it's, I've really have fallen in love with it myself. So I found when pizza is just to, to one's liking, there's almost nothing like it when you're, when you're imbibing in that and thinking this is perfect. The place I went to, I had to look it up and it's stupid because I know, but it's got an unusual name called OAP in Naples. Uh-huh. And it's one world, uh, all pizza, something like that. That's what, and the guy's name is Mauro and he made, you know, here we call them calzones there. They call them fried pizza. And mm-hmm. that was insane. It was so good. I brought people back two times in my next two days. You got to have this. Um, but yeah, uh, it's still, you know, I still, I remember making the comment and I was loving the pizza there so much that, but we have, we have Ken's. And so we don't, ha- I don't have to, we don't have to go to Naples to have it. It's nice to do that. It's awesome. It's a great experience, but, um, some great pizza going on there. I want to touch a little bit on uh, later. I want to go into all the things in your bio that you sent me that you don't like. That's, that was kind of fun, <laughs> but um, I want to talk a little bit about Lucy's table. That was, yes. listen to this, talk about coincidence and small world. I, I, I mentioned before I did baseball parks across the country. Yes. Well, part of that was San Diego to, up to Seattle and we stopped in, the Oregon coast and then Portland. And I fell in love with the city then. Well, part of what helped me fall in love with the city is I had, I had been with my kids. They were young, not even teenagers. One would just hit maybe 13 and the other was 10 all the way across the country. And being the single guy that I am, I set up an online date back in 2003 or four um, in Portland. Early adopter. Yeah, no, I was I was way before that too. I was back in the late nineties. Um, but of all, the, these are the th- the things that converged. 
uh, I looked up where to go to eat to take the belly dancer that I met online, <laughs> who was my redheaded belly dancer, who was she was great. And we went to Lucy's table. I then later found out when I met Kat, formerly Liebman, then Lasur, that she was a chef there too, right? When she opened Cocotte. She I, had been at Lucy's table. Did you know that? I don't recall that. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. Well, that's what year are you referring? So I'm. She, she was. Uh, this would have been 2004, I think, or 2003. Okay. So it would have been 2003, exactly. That's what it was. Okay. And then when I met her at Cocotte, that would have been like 2012 mm -hmm. or 13. So she might have been. Did you sell Lucy's Table to somebody I did. else? That's why oh, I was that's asking. What it, yes. That's what it was. Because so, I yes. think that was in 08 or 09. But at yes, any rate. I sold in 2005. I had opened in 98 and sold it in 2005. So, dude, I to went to your restaurant. That was my first <laughs> restaurant experience in Portland was your restaurant, which is interesting because I didn't know that when I contacted you and said, come on the podcast. I actually didn't know about there that until go. yesterday. So um, that's pretty cool. That was a nice place, man. That was really, it was beautiful. And I remember it being fun and uh, some great wine back when wine was $6 a glass. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, you know, wine, the wine side of things has always been uh, a passion that I really developed during my time of uh, that restaurant at Lucy's Table and um, really explored a lot more of the world and, and a lot more of the region here than I ever had for hire. And, you know, having the ability with nobody looking over my shoulder, although they probably should have been with how much wine I was buying, <laughs> the uh, uh, ability to learn. And, you know, I was fortunate to be assisted by a couple other famous uh, local wine songs that um, when I first moved to Portland was introduced to, and they uh, just kind of helped me out a bit learning the, learning the organ scene, which I didn't know as well. So how does how does someone help you out by just pointing out you got to taste this this has this this is going to well, bring out the best of the Willamette Valley or how does how does somebody help you learn a wine scene without traveling into the you know to the where it's grown that much just in your restaurant True the uh, I, so I don't I'll throw out their names is Randy Goodman that uh, was uh, at Wildwood at the time and Andy Zellman uh, of Higgins that had been there for, he was there for well over 20 years. Um, and I was introduced to Andy and Randy early in my, in opening Lucy's table. And it was simply a, it was at a, actually a tasting that was to purchase pre-sale items from Burgundy that were not inexpensive. Uh, Although I look at those prices now and I would love to pay those prices still. <laughs> but uh, I, that was an area that, you know, I, I, I knew a bit, but I didn't know enough by any means and kind of got seated next to them and, and just listening to their conversation and asking questions. And they both gave me their card and said, just call me anytime if you've got questions. If in you're, a, if in you're, a very Portland you know, way, that is what makes Portland. Yeah, I'm well, sure it you know, happens that, elsewhere, but here. Yeah. And I, I mean, I feel that, that that's another conversation, too, about how Portland has uh, changed over time. But at that time, the, the camaraderie and the willingness for people to help um, and wanting like, willingly to help each other was uh, fantastic. So I was mentored a little bit in the local as well as 
the world seen by those two guys and uh, flew from there. Well, I don't want to let that go. I want to, I want to come sure. back and ask you to talk about how the scene has changed. But I first, we need to uh, take a break um, to hear about one of my favorite places in Portland, and I hope one of yours, Ringside Steakhouse. And we'll oh, be sure. right back with uh, Peter Cost of Ken's Artisan Pizza and Karina Lounge. And um, right after this message. We are pausing just a moment right here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat in Portland, an institution, Ringside Steakhouse, where right now their Christmas meal kit is on sale, a Christmas prime rib dinner for six, $275. The prime rib is trimmed, tied, and ready for the oven. It also comes with uh, their signature seasoning. Uh, They have all the instructions on how you do this. So here's what you're going to get. A half prime rib roast, mashed potatoes, roasted Brussels sprouts, ringside table bread, and then for dessert, caramel apple pie. Again, that's available for order right now through ringside at ringsidesteakhouse.com. One of the best gifts you can get anybody would be the gift of Ringside Steakhouse in the form of a gift card. Right now, they have a special offer. You get a $50 bonus dining card when you purchase $300 in gift cards or... Even better, get a $100 bonus dining card when you purchase $500 in gift cards. So you can get a ringside gift card in any amount up to a few thousand if you're really feeling generous. Uh, those, those bonus gift cards are available for use in early 2024, January, February. But the gift cards you're getting as gifts are good anytime. And of course, Chris, people can just do the old school thing, which is just go and eat at Ringside Steakhouse. You can book those reservations at ringsidesteakhouse.com or book through the Open Table app. Okay, we're back with Peter Cost, uh, who's been uh, furthering the legend of Ken's Artisan Pizza here in Portland. And... Uh, he just mentioned that the collab. I think you alluded to. You didn't say, but you alluded to Careful the fact <laughs> that the collaborative nature that we came to know and love in Portland may have changed over the past few years. Can you talk about how you feel about that? Because I feel like it has, um, in so many ways. But how do how do you view it from your uh, from your standpoint? Well, I think that. Uh, I'll preface it by saying that, you know, when I first came to Portland and opened Lucy's Table, uh, I was 33 years old and uh, had a lot more energy, <laughs> had, a, had a, a lot more of that wide-eyed, I want to learn uh, sense about me or, or way about me at that time. And I think that Portland as a dining scene was, you know, just blossoming in the late 90s, just really the seeds were planted and, and things really started to grow through the late nineties to the early two thousands, I think was such a dynamic time here. And the city was fighting so hard to make a mark, you know, uh, and get a name for itself across the country and things were coming and people were excited about Portland. Uh, Not that they aren't still, they should be. But the point being is that at that time, the growth of the city was just really, getting a stronghold, you know, just really, uh, the food scene was dynamic. The food scene was 
uh, I think in a way I'll say more creative and I won't, I don't mean that bad towards people that are opening stuff now, but you have twice the population, you have twice, the, well, more than twice the amount of restaurants. I mean, I can't even imagine how many more restaurants there are now than then. And the ability to meet and collaborate um, and to just be able to pop into the great restaurants that were happening back at that time and meet the people involved was, well, just frankly, just easier and also probably more welcomed. And now I think that the scene and the, again, I, I feel like social media is a big part of this and uh, that it's so much more of a uh, an exercise in, in trying to get your name out there and how you do that. And people are very kind of like, I need to, I need to get my name out, but I can't let anything out. You know, like I, it's kind of neat to have it be a little bit of a secret about how I do it, but I want all the accolades. And, and back then I feel like it was, Hey, come back in the kitchen. I'll show you how I did this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, the, I, th- I, and again, it's because I think that there was, uh, I'll use numbers just to make it simple. There was, there was 10 places to go and now there's, you know, a hundred places to go type, you know, that's the growth. And, and the cost of entry now. is higher. So the stakes are it's higher so for much. those yes. opening restaurants. And so, yes, you can't, you need that. I mean, what's left yeah. is social media. Our, our, our restaurants in Portland, for the most part, don't believe in traditional advertising. That doesn't, that's not cool, right? It's too corporate <laughs> yeah. to do that. Yes. So you need the social media thing. And I think it just lends itself to it. It's okay, but it's, you know. I'm at the point, and I've been doing this for a long time. I don't need to see more food pictures. I just have seen right. so many over time. There's nothing. There's very, very rarely do I see a food picture and think I got to go there. So well, it's the, hard. There's a, 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 a statement or a phrase by Anthony Bourdain, and I'm not going to get it correct. But basically what he's saying is that, you know, he hated when people use the word housemaid or homemade or uh, made in house or, you know, where my whatever and and he goes it's it's uh, it, of course it was you know it's kind of like farm to table it, you know he's, i'm in agreement 100 percent that it, what does that even mean i mean what else is there and well there's cisco well that's a different style of restaurant that's not what we're talking about yeah, i know i know but i went to <laughs> but one the, of those but the point day, being is that where i said uh I said, where do you get your coffee? Oh, I don't know. Whatever's cheapest that they have. And I thought, oh, yeah. okay. I got, yeah. I got the story <laughs> quickly what that was. Yeah. So. That, that tells you all you need to know about that particular restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that's, you know, that's a, a thing that I feel has slowly changed where back at, in the – God, I'm going to sound really old now. Back in the day, you, you did stuff <laughs> just because that's how you do it. And now it's a, a mantra that you have to get out there and right. um, a pressure. You know, we it's do a it pressure. better than the one down the street. And it's like, no, you don't do it better than the one down the street. You might, you know, your food is wonderful and it's great, but don't say that we do it better. Just, just do it. Just yeah, do I don't know if do. I see that a lot, but I don't know. I, we haven't, I'm glad we've had, it was one of the things I love about this podcast is I get to meet you. I don't know where, how I would have met you otherwise, because I'm not in Portland as much as I used to be, but, 
I don't know if you know, but the reason I started what was before the podcast, which was Portland Food Adventures, was that I could sit at a chef's counter and talk to a chef and have them tell me where else to go. Now, mm-hmm. speaking of pizza, I have some a good friend who owns Modern Pete's in New Haven. If you ever said to him you were going to Pepe's or like, should I go to Pepe's or do you want to go with me? He would like look, stare you down and say, well, then don't come back here. So, but I got to Portland and I'm like, all these people were saying, go down the street. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You're telling me where to go. And that's that's how I started Portland Food Adventures a long time ago. The whole thing was about chefs telling you where to go because I thought that was so cool. And you know what? I've been trying to rekindle the, the events. Now we're doing trips, but I'm trying to rekindle the events and I'm feeling a very different public out there and i'm kind of going back to the people that i knew to talk to them about you know i'm not talking to the next shiny thing because they're it's all a little different and i like you know i really miss vitaly i miss ken i miss the guys who were around my age right so or the people that were around my age who were gone and i i'm not sure about you know the the 20 or 30 year olds now, I don't know them well enough, but I'm not sure if their mindset is where it was when I, you know, met this like Adam Sappington and he told me where else to go right. and handed me a plate of food. I don't, I don't know that it's the same. So, um, it's still good. It's, the it, food scene is still yeah, awesome. It's not a blame to be honest with you. It's just, it, it's a different, it's just a different world in, you know, how things develop and how, uh, you go about your daily business. Um, so somebody who is in their 20, I mean, they didn't experience it the same way we did when we were in our teens and first, you know, you get your first job in a restaurant and you're washing dishes or, you know, it was, I did everything that they asked you. you just, you just didn't, you didn't answer. You just said yes. <laughs> right. And you weren't as concerned with working conditions. It was what it was. That was the, <laughs> yeah. that was the restaurant. I, you, you alluded to it in your bio that where you were working, um, yeah. there was a lot of yelling going on that wouldn't be tolerated today. Correct. Uh, that's, that's entirely true. Yeah. I, I, and some of that's okay that it's gone away, but I think that the, the experience of that you, I don't want to say you got beat up all the time because that's not really what it was. It, it's more of a, a, a homing of your way. It's high expectations and that this is their expression and they want it to be a certain way. Um, and the only way to get it that way is that everybody's on the same page. Everybody is giving the same effort. And the I, I feel like that's more difficult now to achieve. Um, and that's for lots of different reasons. I mean, we don't need to get into all the different reasons for why workplaces are different because many of them are good. The, um, but the, it was just a different upbringing, I guess. And the ability to express when you get the opportunity to have it be your own and you get the opportunity to show somebody else, you're excited about it. And Mm -hmm. I think that people are excited about it, but the expression of it now is more through social media and more through, um, avenues that we didn't have access to or the way we had access was that you came in and you sat down and we had a discussion and you asked me where else to go. Right. It was one-on-one, not one on however many people I can get to follow on Instagram. Or 
So that's not somebody's fault. But I'm just saying I think that no, we developed differently a little bit. It's it's a different thing. Or and at the time you had a couple of food writers in Portland, and they could get to yeah. they could only get to so many restaurants a month to review them, and that's the way it was done. And then there was Food Dude, who was the one who introduced me to the whole food scene, mm-hmm. and I love that guy, and I love the way he approached it all too. And so. Um, uh, now, yeah, we didn't have social media then, and now it's daily peppering with different ideas. And I actually, now that we're talking about it, I find it kind of ironic because being an advertising guy, when I got to Portland, <laughs> I, I realized none of these restaurants would even consider advertising in traditional media because it would look terrible. But now this is what they do. It's just through different channels. They're just yeah, doing, it's, they're it's making the their same. own ads. It's just different. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So. Very interesting. So um, speaking of, I, I don't know if I asked you, and I think you can probably off the top of your head, name some of your current favorite, maybe some of your older favorite places that you're sad aren't around anymore, and some of your current favorite places that if you have friends who come into town and are asking you where to go, where you would tell them to go. Sure, sure. Uh, well, one of the restaurants that is not around anymore that um, opened after I had Lucy's Table, but uh, and was not here for long enough. Was a restaurant called Kin. Um, mm-hmm. It was K I N in the Pearl area and uh, on 16th there, I think, on, in the Pearl. And just a wonderful chef owned and operated with his wife, and they were fantastic. Um, I'm trying to remember and, that. It sounds familiar, but yeah. I, it's not coming to mind. Off. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, it was, I think, about a two-year, two-and-a-half-year maybe time frame, mm-hmm. uh, probably 2010 to 2012 maybe, right, yeah. right around there, uh, and just short-lived, but it was wonderful. And current restaurants that I, I really enjoy and looking for actually going to be going uh, shortly after they reopen from remodel is Muka, Osteria, downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always enjoyed Muka, and I just I think that there's a, a again a passion there that is that is noticeable and seen. So that's one of my faves, and um, I I've always enjoyed Davenport as well. Is mm-hmm. um, one of my places. Yeah, that's, an, that's a at least very... a few times a year. And then I'm sure you went to all of um, his Kevin's places before the sandwich place. Uh, Oli, what was it? Oh my God. My memory oh, over on Hawthorne. Yeah, that's right. There yeah, was that and then, uh, uh, I mean, of course, went to um, uh, yeah on Hawthorne the the restaurant that kind of got him. Uh, <laughs> I forget the name of that restaurant. Which it's is now. Uh, well, he was the chef. Uh, right, right next to Pasta Works. Right next to Pasta yeah. Works. Uh, I think it was Oleo or something. I mean, somebody feel free to correct me and berate me. Do not berate the guest, <laughs> please. For not remembering he's put on the spot here. Um, did you do you miss? I'm sure you spent some you mentioned it before, you spent some time at Wildwood. I mean, there was a time where everything flowed through Wildwood. Uh, all the every yeah, person it. who had something to do with the Portland food scene had a connection to Wildwood in some way. Um, I don't think True. anybody moving here now could know what that restaurant at least they can go to Higgins now, right? They can True. Do that True. and Paley's Place, all those places. I um, mean, the the opportunity that I found myself uh, plopped into with finding the location for Lucy's Table to be on Northwest 21st at that time was, uh, that's like being on the 
you know, the Avenue of the Stars. And, you know, you had, uh, uh, of course, Paley's and Wildwood and Zephyro was still there when I first opened. For Where was Zephyro? Where, what was the space? Is Zephyro like- is, it's, so the space that it is now, <laughs> which is very, um, I don't know what you, well, I won't say it in any way negative, but <laughs> it's uh, uh, Kung Pao. Kung Pao. It's a uh, oh, I've been there. Restaurant there, yeah, yeah. Northwest Twenty First and Everett, yeah. Right, right. On so block down from where Karina is now, but right. that the street is, uh, you know, and of course Cafe Mingo was there, and back then Tuscany Grill, and it was just a wonderful street. And when I talk about the camaraderie and the way that people kind of just kind of helped each other a little bit, and you know, it was. Those folks at Tuscany Grill helped me in my move to Portland. I have some plates from Tuscany Grill that I just had dinner on last night. So pretty cool. Uh, Yeah, what? Yeah, I have to give a shout out to Michael Cronin at at Cafe Mingo, who's one of the more iconic guys in in Portland food scene. And he, uh, when I was opening Lucy's Table, it was I mean, talk about being on a wing and a prayer and a shoestring budget. The uh, in Mingo was the type of place that you know. Granted, not a huge place, but a line out the door every night. And he would, you know, say, hey, you know, while you're waiting, if you want, go go up the street and go to this new place and have a drink and just just look at their menu, you know, check them out. Go mm-hmm. try and make another night. But, you know, and that's that's just huge. And I feel that's I don't want to say that that happens all over the place, but it doesn't happen as often as it used to, I feel. No, well, I would think so. And I think, you know, when a lot of the pieces are missing, right, the people are gone. Those connections right. are not going to be there any longer. You right. take that all out of the equation. So um, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty sad. And it's kind of sad how a lot of that in the last three years, a lot of people left town and how they left town. Um, right. It's really, it, I find it kind of sad. You know, it's not like they just got older and said, well, Ken did. Like I've had, I've done well, I got to go. I think his retirement was probably pretty noble, right? It was like time. Whether there was a pandemic or not, I'm guessing Ken was getting there, right? Yeah. I, he, I, I mean, again, without putting words in his mouth, but at one right. point during our conversations, he, he had hoped that he would have been able to have the conversation started with me about a year and a half earlier, but things right. were things and weren't he, ready. <laughs> listen, right when he had to do it, I loved his checkerboard pizza mm-hmm. is that what it was called yes in checkerboard the, yes down yeah i love that I, that was my spot to go when we used to record the podcast downtown afterwards i'd go down and have a slice of pizza and get some pastries to bring back for the next day i miss that you know there's it's kind of sad but you know things change and things move on um so speaking of do you have any plans because the big places in Portland sadly expanded. Do you have any plans of expanding Ken's and opening different locations and fucking it up? What, what have you heard? I've heard nothing. I'm just, I have you here on the line and I, you know, I, I'm aware uh, that Pepe's in New Haven is all over the place up and down the East coast yeah. now. And I cannot, I, I can speak firsthand to, I just went uh, this past year and, you know, my t- I'm getting older. Taste buds have changed. I know that. But it just wasn't what I remembered. It just right. wasn't. Right. So, the, um, it, well, I'll say that without being able to say that there is a 
something possibly in the process of happening. Uh, it would not be in Portland. Um, and it would be in another city in Oregon, but not, uh, okay. not so close to the pizzeria now to Let's spin to the wheel. Diminish. Eugene, maybe. <laughs> okay. Salem. Anyway, well, good. That is, that's awesome. And I think you obviously know your bandwidth to keep the, um, keep the quality where it needs to be and represent the, uh, Ken's in the way it needs to be represented wherever you go, however you do it. So. The uh, thing that I find is, that is important with something like this and, and an iconic place like this that I'm fortunate enough to now have control of, I guess. I don't know. That sounds weird. The, uh, <laughs> the, the point well, being do. is that... I can't... No one else can tell you what to do. <laughs> the... Uh, uh, not wanting to diminish the special place that it is, it would be to me a detriment to do something that would be in proximity to, I don't know, lack of a better word, to compete with it. And cannibalize that, it would be the, yeah, exactly. The and, and I really, really don't want to. And trust me, the, the phone's been ringing for people wanting to, you know, I just bought this building. I would love to have you, you know, what do we got to do to make this work? And I'm like, it's not going to, you're not going to make it work. But it, you know what? Happen. It would, it would, right. If you were on the West side, oh, it would, it would work, work probably. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, to me, the legacy is, is important and the special place that it is needs to be, um, taken heed of. And I can't screw that up. I don't want to screw that up and I want to keep it something special. And so the opportunity of possibly doing another one would be in a place that I feel that wouldn't diminish it. It would, it would be wholly a different place, but have a connection that is uh, necessary. And, and also uh, would give the ability to not mess it up <laughs> and that I can, I can take people that I have uh, that are just so wonderful that I have working at the pizzeria and be able to provide some growth for a few of them that deserve it. And the uh, ability for them that have, I don't want to say bought into what the place is, but really bought into how special it is and, and realize that they're part of something that is wonderful in the food scene and uh, give that opportunity to let them express it as well. Right, and bring the joy to uh, a lot of new people who wouldn't otherwise have the ability or interest in driving from wherever you're talking about into Portland mm -hmm. to wait online to have pizza and then go home. Correct. That is not – so you're, you're providing that opportunity. Is Ken – are you in touch with Ken a lot? Is he still involved in – any consulting capacity or, or helping you get through decisions. There probably aren't a ton of mis decisions that need to be made on the day-to-day -day operation of the pizzeria, I would imagine. But on something like you're talking about, that might be yep. something you would talk to Ken about. So um, in, a, in a literal sense, he's not involved in terms of uh, any responsibility or, or monetarily or in any way other than I, I write in big checks every quarter, <laughs> the, uh, which I'm happy to do. The, uh, the, so in that aspect, he's not involved in the aspect of, uh, do I contact him on a probably fairly regular basis and say, you know, what did you do with, you know, or, Hey, I'm thinking about, um, and we did discuss, it was wonderful to have the week in Italy together and, and really have me bounce off the idea of what I want to, try to accomplish this next year. And 
him to say, I think that's fantastic. And I think you're doing it the right way was huge. So do I heed what he has to say and really, really listen? I do because he knows what he's talking about. And the, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to day-to-day operations, he, he, in a good way, he doesn't want to hear about it. You know, he's, he's been there, done that. No, that's why I retired. Yeah. (laughs) So, but as to big picture stuff and, and the sense of what I, what I have a vision for, um, yes, I wholly want his support and, um, feedback. So it's important to me and, and, uh, we've had a nice opportunity to discuss it. That is fantastic. So be, only because I mentioned it, we're, I, I don't want to take more of your time than you were kind enough to um, to give us today. But I mentioned the things that piss you off or your pet peeves. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to just go over th- through a couple of them. If for no other reason than that there are people that, other than me who have pet peeves and mention them. So uh, a couple of them that might be of interest, just just from a trivial standpoint, that uh, sure, couple sure. of your pet peeves. <laughs> oh, what you're asking me to yeah, mention? Yeah, so a couple of your pet peeves. <laughs> let's, let's talk about a couple of them, and then we'll we'll uh, end this we'll end this interview uh, on a oh, on a, such a low a note. note. <laughs> we'll end it on a low note. <laughs> uh, you know, it's. Um, I think I alluded to a little bit of it when I mentioned about, you know, what is farm to table? What else is there? Uh, I'll I'll say a little story around that for one second that I, when I was probably 20 something and stupid, uh, the, uh, not that I'm much smarter, but what the heck, the, uh, at least you realize that as you get older, you realize, yeah, "Yeah, I am pretty stupid, but I know, but I know a few things, but you know, a few things, at least, you know, that you're a little wiser. That's why interviews with, I don't know your age, but I've always found the interviews that I do with people who are, they have more experience and more stories too, which leads to a little more experience. True. So I was tasting wine and there was a French winemaker, uh, and I asked him the question of, did he grow his grapes organically? And it, the look on his face, I felt um, like I had just let my mother down, my father down on something that I just may never get over. And uh, he just he just looked at me and scoffed and said, what else do you do? That's it. And I said, well, it's not on your label. And he just he got up from the table and walked away. Wow. Because to him, it was that, uh, that you just do it right. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. And not to say that, you know, that's not trying to make a comment on the overall winemaking process. But the point being that I that moment has stuck with me. And so when I say pet peeves about people that are preaching that we do this, we do that, we're sustainable, we're, it's kind of what else do you do? In, in my mind, it's, it's self-serving to preach about it too much. It's nice to let people know, mm-hmm. um, you know, but... A lot of places, as and I guess as you get probably even more corporate, it, it becomes a mantra that we put out there, and or that they put out there. And that, well, uh, then it's real I, bullshit. I just, so yeah, it's not yeah. real. And I, I just like that's that's so a pet peeve of mine is uh, a little bit of self preaching in a way that is it's kind of well, for lack of a better way to say it, he said it perfectly. What else do you do? Yeah, I uh, I've heard it so much when I hear. Uh, 30-year-old chef, 30 young, early 40s talk about opening their restaurant, and they highlight that it's going to be farm-to-table. I'm literally, that's kind of the same thing. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, like you're, you're the first one. Are you the first one yeah. to be thinking this way and doing this? So right. it is what it is here, and you can't survive in the Portland food world. I guess you, you know, you can survive in Portland not being in that scene, right? There are certain restaurants Plenty that are do. like Plenty high up thriving. in the building. Yeah. I'm just going to mention high up in a building that survive. <laughs> and there are others that uh, have sold out to companies in Texas that survive, um, but they're not. He paints us a rosy picture, almost pink. <laughs> yeah, pink. And then there's another one that's pretty green, too. Green and pink. Those are the two. And I, you know what? They, but I also believe they have their places. I mean, I have, there are places that I go that people would scoff at that I just like, you know, I, I some, sometimes on I 5, I pass the claim jumper. And before I learned about the Portland food scene, I used to take my kids to Claim Jumper because you could eat like a beast there. And but then I look at that, and go, which is their goal. Yes, yeah. but that was my that was my thinking at one point in my life. That was okay. And you know, sometimes when I on I'm on two seventeen, I had it yesterday. I was on two seventeen. I thought, when can I find somebody who would want to go to Benihana with me? I'd love to go to Benihana again. I used to. Oh, but I loved it as a kid. Downtown right, Seattle. I grew up exactly. in Seattle. And, and I and, loved uh, it when I had yeah. kids. We had a hibachi place in Connecticut. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was the go-to place because we could go and everybody could sit there and watch it and have fun. But I would love to go to Benihana again. And I want to go with someone who's who's never been there, whose eyes would be open and not be so critical of every little right. thing and just for the experience. I actually tried one of those places in uh, Salem uh, and I took my girlfriend at the time and um or we went together i didn't take well i suggested we go it was the most disappointing <laughs> thing ever so i don't know if i'm going to do that again but i assume benihana's got a certain standard of quality anyway that's beside the point so all right those are a couple that's one pet peeve one more and then we're done <laughs> uh I, I think that uh, taking flavors, I, I have a pet peeve of taking flavors that mask the main ingredient. Uh, and I'm sorry, I'm sticking to food type. No, it's so fine. I was, I'm, the, I was going to expand the, on that. Yeah. That the, the idea of taking something that is a subtle flavor and, and masking, it, it's kind of like a, a crab cake, you know, and then it, you take a bite and you're like, is, I think there's crab. You, know, mm -hmm. you should know there's crab. Crab should be the dominant flavor and everything else is just there to kind of help prop it up a little bit, but the, as opposed to taking it and making it something wholly different. Um, and, you know, there's, there's things that are purveyors of sauce and I'm not a big wing fan, uh, you know, wing places right. that do well. That's great. Good. And I see it, but it's really just a conveyor of sauce and the, the original product is kind of unimportant. I order my wings at, at Fire on the Mountain. I order them plain and just give me a couple of sauces. I can do little dips. Yeah, I don't need dress it yourself. Swimming. Just a little bit of flavor, yeah. Right. That's, that's, that's a I, better way to go. And I'm the way, you know, I know I've been to many, so many great sandwiches in Portland. And by the way, we could mention pizza, same thing, where there's so much slaw and bullshit on the sandwich. I come from a place where I would go to Jewish delis in Westport, Connecticut and order a rare roast beef sandwich on a hard roll with butter and salt. That's what I, that's what I love. Yeah. And when you start putting yeah. so many things on it, you cannot taste the roast beef anymore. You can't, or whatever. Exactly. It's, same thing with pizza. I'm like a sausage and onion pizza is just 
fine with me. I don't need squash. I don't need, I mean, it's great. It's fine. And I've had it where I've loved it. It's okay. But you don't need seven things on a pizza. You just don't. Right. So we do get the common like medication. Pardon me? People that, uh, people that want, you know, they want to add like five different things to their pizza when they're putting their order together or they get it and they're like, well, that's not very much of, you know, that's not very much pepperoni on there. And it's like, well, because it's not supposed to be pepperoni. It, it, I mean, pepperoni is the flavor that you added to your pizza. That's right. great. It goes well. But it's not a, It's not like flip it over onto its other side and you, you have the pepperoni as the crust is what you're talking about. And that's not what we're doing. Then you can go to Little Caesars. <laughs> yeah. Just do yeah. well there. But yeah, no. And um, that was the other thing. Man, where I came from, when you ordered sausage on a pie – there was a lot of sausage. I came out here and there was one place that shall rename, remain nameless that had a bunch of locations. And I would order a 20, this is back in 2005, a $28 sausage pizza for my family. And there would be one piece of sausage on each slice. <laughs> and I was We're like, not that skimpy. <laughs> no, I know you're not. And, but I, but I was like, I just can't believe it coming from a place where you could order that large pizza I'm, you know this goes way back but for my family of four we could get one large pizza for eleven dollars i remember those days and that was the the meal at home right with just and i still would be proud of our pizza prices though i i, I, I think your pizza that. i think they're i don't know what they are i haven't been in a while what's a large pizza what's well, a large the, the, good the pizza? most expensive pizza on the menu is 24 dollars, and it comes with burrata and that's not inexpensive right no burrata isn't But I, yeah, no, I, I mean, remember. I think when I first brought it out there, but ours is not. <laughs> right. But so what is the plain margarita? Yeah. No, how much uh, is the plain? Oh, how margarita. Much? Um, sorry, my earbuds are starting to. All right. Well, uh, that might be our sign. I think our margarita pizza is at uh, $18 now. Perfect. That's, that's what I was looking for. Under uh, and, 20 and bucks. It was, a, it was hard to bring it from 17 to 18 uh, just this past year, but. It's been, uh, as everybody knows, we, again, a whole other topic we can get to someday. But the uh, cost yeah. of ingredients is, is just uh, all over the board. I mean, I just it, bought it a loaf spikes of spikes at times. And I just bought a loaf of rye school. bread from I, I mean, take a yeah, for seven, I take a for flask, yeah, instead of like looking at each ingredient and trying to make that cover that ingredient that I take the philosophy of. We sell all our pizzas, so right. let's just skew it as much as we can over the whole of the pricing so that it that nothing jumps out well, and that good. we can keep it down as low as possible. Well, and that's what I remember a pizza was when I first went to Ken. So that had to be way back when, and I was, when did it open? Oh, seven, eight, oh, eight, somewhere in there. No, 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 no. 12, 13. I'm sorry. I, I, I had to take the, uh, my. Oh, okay. Well, that's why we just heard an echo. Um, so how long has Ken's been open now? Uh, since 2006. Oh, okay. It was then. Well, good for you. Great run. You're coming up on 20 years and uh, before you know it, before you blink. Yes, so, exactly. um, we'll make congratu congratulations on that. And Peter, you weren't easy to get a hold of. I even miss, I, I confused who you, you with your chef because I'd met him once uh, and you were very gracious about pointing that out to me. So thank you. But I'm really appreciative of you, of us finally being able to get you on the podcast and talk to you because this was one of my favorite interviews in a long time. I can just tell you that uh, a lot of interesting things here. And I think it's an important interview for people to listen to who've been around the scene for a long time. And those who are new to the scene, they need to know about 
the places they need to know about Ken's and the places you've been talking about too. They don't, I think that's important. Yeah. I think that uh, this has been enjoyable for me as well. Thank you. And the um, uh, one thing different between me and chef is he's got this amazing beard that I, I don't have a chance of having. <laughs> <laughs> have you tried? <laughs> oh, it's not pretty. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have, a, I keep going with a little bit. Yes. Well, good. And I'm going to also say, hopefully I wasn't able to see uh, Ken when I went out to Hawaii, but I'm hopeful that he's made it. He's listening to this podcast and even better made it to this point there uh, go. all the way at the end. And if so, hello, Ken, it's uh thank you for uh, providing everything that allowed this podcast to happen. And it looks like you made an incredible choice uh, in having Peter take the reins there. So um, thanks, Pete, thanks Ken. You. Thanks, Peter. I yeah, appreciate it. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Chris. And uh, thank you to my team of people, because that's really why we're talking. Yeah, no, without them, you wouldn't be keeping it up and you wouldn't be thinking about uh, getting to 2026. Correct. So... All right, man. Thanks. I hope we have let's I hope we have the opportunity to enjoy something somewhere, whether it's food or drink. Well, next um, time you're up in town, just uh, let me know and we'll have a glass of wine at the pizzeria. Are you at the pizzeria very often or you spend right. much time there at, in the I evening? Don't. Usually I find its owners are there during the day. Um I I am there uh I'm there just about every day. I don't say till close every night, but I am there quite often. And I try to go back and forth between the two restaurants when I can. But uh, as you add more to your plate, the office becomes more of your space right. <laughs> is unfortunate. But uh, I, I try to spend as much time as I can in the dining rooms as well, because I, that's really, really what I love. Good. Well, listen, what I will do, and I'm going to do it because I usually, I'm not one who's big on have your girl call my girl because that never <laughs> happens. But um, can't, you can't even say that nowadays. Jeez, I, I stop and think you can't say that anymore. But it was, it was in jest. <laughs> right. So, uh, but I would like to, uh, I'd like to find out uh, when I cut. I'm going to come into town just to do this. I want to buy you a pizza at your restaurant. So um, that would be a treat for me. So uh, I'll buy the wine. All right. That'll be good. And I'm not a big wine drinker, so I'm a cheap date on that. On that front, you're good. So (laughs) thank you very much, Peter. I'll talk to you soon and I will definitely do that. And I will, we'll have reason to post on Instagram, you and me having a bite of pizza together because I have it with Ken. So I have to, I have to keep that up. Excellent. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks. Have a great day and a great Thanksgiving. We're recording this the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, Looking forward to the food. Okay. Yes. That. Yes. All right, man. Thanks. Cheers. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right